is post time. Welcome to the ESPN 1000 Miller Lite Post Game Show with your hosts, fantasy expert and host Jeff Miller, and two-time Super Bowl champion Chicago native Howard Griffith. The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite Post Game Show, presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of the Chicago Bears, and brought to you by GetCoveredIllinois.gov, the home loan experts, ComEd's energy efficiency program, and Harry's Razor. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Four to seventeen, the Titans beat the Bears today. And let me tell you, when I say that might be the definition of putting a lipstick on a pig, my oh my, that was awful. The Bears the inept in Nashville today. It was a lot closer than it appeared. That scoreline does not justify what actually happened in the game. The Bears are now five and four. And I am searching, and I don't find any positives in this game today. Uh, I will let uh, Howard Griffith share with us any positives he might have seen, but we're also going <laughs> to let you, the listeners, weigh in. 312-332-3776. Let us know if you saw anything optimistic from that game today. That was atrocious, Howard. Jeff, I saw nothing that uh, gave me any confidence or anything when you, when you talk about the performance today. I mean, actually, you could have taken a nap during the first half because there wasn't much going on uh, from the Bears' perspective. But, you know, it, we just continue to see and they continue to reinforce our questions that we had early in the year, even though they were running off some wins, that this right now is just not a very good football team. And it all starts, you know, ultimately with what's happening uh, offensively. Uh, maybe I was thinking about it. Maybe as we look at the Bears at 5-4 and four now, uh, nine weeks into the NFL season, the positive is we're halfway through and we don't have to continue to watch this offense for more than two months at this point. It is just abysmal trying to find our way through this postgame show with you today, the Miller Lite Bears postgame show on ESPN 1000. Try and find our way through without swearing because those are the only words that are coming to mind throughout the game. Uh, just abysmal, pitiful. I am absolutely apathetic when we watch this performance. And I know... Injuries and COVID certainly hindered their ability to block on the upfront on, on the offensive line. But the reality is every single team is dealing with their own COVID-related issues, and you cannot go out there, and, and that's the best effort. When you get into the third quarter and Fox is flashing graphics that show Barkevius Mingo as your leading rusher in the game, I, I don't know where to go with this, Howard. Yeah, it, it's a tough one to swallow, and, and I really don't want to hear a lot about, you know, the Bears were able to move the ball during garbage time, and why can't they, you know, use that particular offense during garbage time? Because, you know, it's easy there. You know, the, the Titans are playing mm-hmm. off. They're just wanting to keep everything in front of them, and it just doesn't look good. You know, it just doesn't, and, and I don't know how uh, they can explain it. I'm going I'm to be interested in his, hearing what our fans have to say about it because they're going to get an opportunity to, to weigh in a lot today. Let's uh, you know what. Let's jump in. Let's let the uh, fans weigh in quickly. We are going to take your calls throughout the next two hours. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Let's go to Aaron, who's in Atlanta. Aaron, what was your thoughts about what you saw today? Pathetic. Um, and guys, thanks for taking my call. Pathetic, exhausting. Just looking at the play calling. I'm, maybe Matt Nagy is limited based on the offensive line, but 
for three quarters, you throw them in short routes and your receivers are not getting an opportunity to catch the ball. Uh, Foles is under pressure. And it's, you know, it's the NFL, guys. It's 2020, and this offense is somewhere stuck between 1952 and 1971. I, I can't get it. Uh, I'm, I'm, as a Bears fan in Atlanta, I, I just can say that if, if this organization does not know how to piece together key players to block, key players to understand what, where they're at on the field, then we'll continue to – don't put us on Monday night and Thursday night so the whole world can see how pathetic this team really is. And I, Howard, you, you, see the, you see what's going on. That was garbage time. Yeah. And they put yeah. those points up, and I'm just tired of it. Yeah, I know it's tough for you now because Atlanta won today, so I'm sure your friends are going to be giving you a lot of grief about that. But you're right. I mean, we're at a point now where, you know, Jeff, you mentioned it, it the best thing is that the season's close to being over because it doesn't look like this team is going to be able to get anything done. There's so many uh, abysmal displays today to tackle. We'll do them throughout the show, throughout the next two hours. Again, 312-332-377-60 Miller Lite Bears postgame show on after every Bears game for two hours, taking your phone calls. We will let Matt Nagy have his piece. We'll let you hear from him when he speaks to the media via Zoom. It'll be interesting to see how he um, tries to explain away this mess. Again, it is... I don't know, 24 to 17, that is not indicative of what we saw today at all. It was clearly a disaster, a dumpster fire. We're taking your calls on ESPN 1000. The dissection of the Bears game continues right after this. This is the ESPN 1000 postgame show on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. This is Chicago's home for sports. The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite postgame show is back. It's back. With your hosts, ESPN 1000 fantasy expert and host Jeff Miller, two-time Super Bowl champion, Chicago native, Howard Griffith. Now, back to more on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Third down and six. And here is Foles, and off his back foot, he was getting a pass rush, incomplete to Anthony Miller. And fourth down coming up. We've only had three first downs in the game. And there is a fake. And carrying the ball is Barkevius Mingo, the linebacker, and he gets a first down, and the Bears celebrating. And it was a direct snap to David Montgomery, who then handed off to Mingo. And he got 11 yards, and so the Bears have a first down, and they're going to be at the 46-yard line. And a timeout called by the Chicago Bears. Woo, boy, if that doesn't encapsulate 2020 for the Bears offense, I don't know what does. Early in the second quarter, the Bears facing a fourth and six decide to run a fake punt with Barkevius Mingo. A nice execution, nice uh, design there. Mingo runs for 11 yards, and it looks like the Bears are on their way. And Howard, you tell me, I don't understand this. You catch, you put the Titans on their heels by pulling off a nice punt fake. You now have the ball near midfield uh, at, at your own 47, and you then have to use a timeout because you cannot call a play before the uh, play clock runs out. I mean, like yeah. every for every good thing they do, Howard, they self-destruct. 
Yes, and we saw that also with penalties. They just can't get on the same page, can't get plays in on time to be able to execute. It's crazy to me that they've been at it this long and they still can't have plays ready to go and get them in on time. And this, you talk about a team that's just so undisciplined. Talking about leading the league in penalties, it's just nuts. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And, I don't, and, and you need to – they need to figure something out because, yeah, sure, some teams maybe when you have more offensive talents, you can get away with some penalties. You don't, now, listen, no team wants to do that, but you might be able to overcome some penalties from time to time if you have more offensive talent. But this needs to be a, a point of emphasis from Matt Nagy. Listen, we don't expect you to score more than 20 points per week, but you certainly got – you need to stop shooting yourself in the foot. You need to take – take advantage of the few opportunities you give yourself. And that play was actually one where, okay, you get something going. And then, no, you have to call a timeout, and it just allows the Titans' defense to catch their breath, gain their bearings, and then what proceeds to happen, the Bears then try to run the ball. They run three straight plays, but they end up coming up short. Uh, They uh, run to Montgomery for two yards, so that sets them up in second and long. Of course, then we have to get uh, the customary Cordell Patterson run in. He goes left end for six yards making it third and two, and then up the middle, David Montgomery is stuffed. So they find themselves yet again, three plays after converting on a fake punt. They then have to punt anyway. I mean, all the goodwill you get with that, and you just you just flush it down the drain. It is so infuriating again, time and time again. I don't understand how they're going to turn this around from what we're seeing right now. Uh, it looks like they're not. I mean, because you mentioned, you talk about uh, being able to execute uh, a fake and be able to be successful with it, there's nothing more demoralizing to, the, to your opponent than to be able to do that. You have to be able to take advantage. You have to be able to strike quickly. And as you mentioned, not to be ready for the play call is inexcusable. And that, I mean, I'm sorry, but that just, for me, that, you know, as much trouble as Nick Foles has had, uh, I'll, that also hangs heavily over Matt Nagy's head. Let's head on out to Evanston and say good afternoon to John. John, you're on ESPN 1000 with Howard Griffith and Jeff Mellor. Hey, guys. You know, the one, the one situation that bothered me was when they had a fourth and one, and they ended up with a fourth and 11 and had to punt with back-to-back mm-hmm. illegal procedure calls on your line. Um, the, right. the thing that bothers me is Nick is still not throwing the ball away. He's taking unnecessary hits. And and the thing that bothers me about that is you don't have Mitch. You got a you got a young backup that hasn't played, and if he goes down and he gets hurt, and Mitch is still trying to get back healthy again, uh, you know they're in trouble because then they're going to a quarterback that hasn't played at all. So uh, at least when Mitch played, they didn't bull rush him because they knew he had the escapability to get away from that and pick up some yards. With Nick, no. Once he gets out of that pocket and away from the offensive line and he can't find anybody, he just gets wiped out. He just will not throw it away. That's what bothers me the most. Hey, John, thanks for the call. I I think, you know, what bothers you is bothers a lot of um, Chicago Bear fans when you start to think about it, just the inability to – to be able to to make something out of nothing. And, and that's what you're left with with Nick at quarterback position. And you want him to be able to throw the ball away, but that's just not who he is. He's going to continue to look downfield to try to be able to make a play. And sometimes those plays aren't there and the team suffers for it. So, 
it's a tough situation right now as far as being able uh, to, to get this Bears team moving in the right direction to, to, to create a turnaround. Now we don't know what the status is going to be of Montgomery. So that's another issue uh, that this Bears team is going to have to deal with in the coming week. Yeah, you mentioned it. David Montgomery leaves the game with a concussion, so he'll enter concussion protocol. We'll have to see uh, if he's available next week for the Bears. Um, that obviously you never can really uh, put pinpoint a timetable on a concussion because every single person is different with that. So we'll have to see how, how that plays out. And clearly that's something we've spoken about at length uh, time and time again, Howard, is the fact that there's re- really no real running back depth on this roster. All of a sudden, Craig Nall, who's a four-phase you know, four, uh, four special teamer, uh, steps mm-hmm. in because, because uh, Montgomery has to leave the game. We know that Cordero Patterson is, for whatever reason, you know, a player that Matt Nagy feels the need to get the ball to. But aside from that, you know, without Tariq Cohen now for the season, they don't have many options to turn to. It, it would seem likely that we'll probably see Lamar Miller come off the practice squad here uh, in the next game or two, or probably for the next game if David Montgomery's not available. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't know how much hope I'm going to take when you're running behind this offensive line. It's, uh, it is not encouraging by any means. And, but uh, John did make the point. It was frustrating, in a, you know, not just the fake punt failing to do anything with that, but as he mentioned, to start the third quarter, the Bears come out, they get the kick, and they're actually able to put together a couple of plays. They drive to the Tennessee 31 where they're stuffed, and it goes to fourth and one at that point, and they line up getting set to go for what looks like a fourth down attempt. Yet, now we can discuss whether or not they should have been in that situation uh, because at that moment they were trailing 10 to nothing. You can ask yourself, should they have lined up for a field goal with Cairo Santos at that point just to put some points on the board and maybe give your offense, you know, a little bit of optimism because things had obviously struggled for the entirety, entire game up to that point. But no, they line up to go for it on fourth and one. And then what do we see? A false start by Arlington <laughs> Hambright. And then... Okay, that's fine. Uh, Matt Nagy is not going to be deterred. He's going to line up and he's going to go for it anyway on fourth and five from Tennessee's 35, still foregoing the attempt from from Cairo Santos, who has really been the lone bright, bright spot for the team. And then on fourth and five from the Tennessee 35, as they line up in the shotgun, we get a false start penalty from Jimmy Graham. And at that point, it's fourth and 10 at Tennessee's 40, out of field goal range, Okay, Pat O'Donnell will punt. I mean, what a, what an absolute disaster all day long. Right. And it goes right to the fact that this has not been a disciplined team and hasn't been. You know, they've had issues the entire year of being able to, you know, with, with penalties. And, and that's something, again, those are self-inflicted. Those are things that can be corrected. You know, some of the talent gaps, some of the talent issues that this team has, you know, you can't do anything about it at this particular point. But when you talk about penalties, come on. There's nobody. I mean, who's in the stands? Why is it loud? How come you can't watch the ball? What are you doing? It's not that difficult. No, no. Like, that's a great point. And, like, it's, it's one thing in a, under normal circumstances to be committing false starts on the road. But when you're talking about, like, you know, minimal to no fans in the stands playing on the road this season, there's no excuse whatsoever. And, you know – if you want to explain this all away because they didn't have, you know, uh, a real offensive line intact, I will also, I will counter that with, well, 
The Titans have been one of the worst defenses in the NFL entering this game. And, oh, by the way, Jadavion Clowney was, uh, you know, inactive as well. So I don't know, you know, like there's not there's not too many things to really be encouraged by if you're a Bears fan. If you And, again, if you're trying to hide behind the fact that the – or explain away that the, this, this whole performance is based on the fact that the offensive line is, you know, uh, not necessarily your starters. Well, then I would say whose fault is that? Is that because Ryan Pace also is the one who's put together the talent that is clearly not up to snuff when you look around the rest of the league. Yeah, and you, you mentioned you know Tennessee and some of the issues that they've had as far as just you know who's been able to play. Remember, this is a team that that's really had to deal with COVID. You know, having facilities yes. shut down, having people miss. I mean, they've <laughs> they've had some issues this entire year with as far as COVID is concerned, but they continue to find ways to win football games. And yeah, they're not perfect, but still, you know, they stopped a, a two-game skid today against the Bears. Yeah, you certainly did not get Tennessee's best effort today. They didn't they didn't do much more than show up, uh, but that's really all they needed to do against the Bears today because things were uh, sunk by the end of the third quarter. He's two-time Super Bowl champ Howard Griffith. I am Jeff Miller. We are the Miller Lite postgame show here, here for you after every Bears game for two hours, taking your calls, letting you react. We will hear from Matt Nagy in the uh, Zoom postgame. We'll also catch up with Jeff Dickerson. And uh, if we have time, we'll also let you hear from Nick Foles to try and explain away what went wrong today. Do all that coming up on ESPN 1000. Don't move. More of the ESPN 1000 postgame show is coming up on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app. ESPN 1000 Miller Lite Post Game Show is back. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. First down now on the Titan 27. 180. And no chance. And they have not signaled yet whether it's a fumble or whether it was a pass. Titans figuring they've got the ball. Good pressure by Landry. No signal was given that it was an incompleted pass as of yet. Intentional grounding. Offense, number nine. Ten-yard penalty from the previous spot. Loss of down. Second down. Second down and 16. From the 33. Pass out to Graham. And Graham is knocked out of bounds. Third down is coming up after a pickup of only three. And they flip it out to Montgomery, who loses the ball. It's picked up by the Titans. And it's the newcomer, Desmond King, who's going to run it in for the touchdown. Boy, oh boy. It's uh, just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. The Bears found a way offensively to make it worse in... Just fiasco after fiasco. Those highlights courtesy of Fox, Dick Stockton on the call, along with Greg Jennings today. I'm Jeff Meller, along with Howard Griffith on ESPN 1000. We are talking about a Bears 24-17 loss to the Titans. Are the Bears the worst 5-4 team in the history of the NFL? I don't know if we've got, we, I don't know if we've got enough time to go through every 5-4 <laughs> team in the uh, history of the league, but uh, I will say, um, without having done the research, I, I have to believe they're in the team photo, Howard. <laughs> they're in the running, no doubt about it. But you know what? Listen, um, we've had questions about this team from the very beginning. 
you know, we've talked about this. This is it's no great shock. I think I think more it's more so the reality of what this season is turning into and what the Bears are not capable of doing. And again, you know, we're wasting a defense that, you know, is makes plays. And they're not they're not playing great, right? From from you know the first quarter to the fourth. But they have their times when they're able to slow people down, get off the field, make some plays, and the offense is not able to take advantage. I mean, Howard, I don't know. I mean, obviously you were an offensive player, but I have to imagine, too, the defense when, listen, there was 10 nothing for uh, an extended period of time there where it really felt like if the Bears could muster anything, and even, even before it was 10 nothing at 3 nothing, it felt like if the Bears' offense could get anything going, they could take control of the game. And it has to wear on defenses after a while, knowing that your offense is just not putting anything together. Um, and, you know, even just to the point where when they do go out there, too, they can barely muster enough to get a first down or two. So you're going to be going back out on the field. It's got to be devastating for the defense and in some ways really, you know, uh, hamper them as well. It, it starts to really divide your team when, you, when your offense is so inept and, and mm-hmm. can't make plays. It, it really does because, you know, defenses say, OK, we're playing well enough, but Heck, those guys on the other side are being paid a lot of money, too, that offense, and they're going to make some plays. And if we, if we come up with a big stop or we get a turnover, we've got to, be able to, we've got to be able to score a touchdown or at least be able to stay off the field and, and make the other defense work uh, so that they can get a break. But it doesn't seem to happen that way for, for this Bears team. And it's, it's frustrating. I can tell you right now, it, it's, it's probably already reached the tipping point, quite honestly. It's just not out there. But it's festering inside, and when things like this start to happen, you know, bad things happen. You have to really have some great leadership and great leadership from uh, the front of the room to be able to slow this kind of stuff down. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. You can kind of, if you're watching the game closely, you can kind of sense it that the frustration is there. Um, it's obviously going to be difficult for reporters to give us that insight like they would be in a normal year because – they really are relegated to just, uh, you know, uh, asking questions on Zoom mm-hmm. without the opportunity for follow-ups. Their interaction with players is going to have to be, you know, limited to texting with guys who they have personal relationships. So we're not even, I don't think, getting the actual insight that we would in a normal year because of COVID. But, um, you know, they have the Minnesota Vikings on tap next week on Monday Night Football. And... As one of our previous callers mentioned, you know, that's not that, that right now is setting up to be an ugly situation because while the Bears are scuffling along at uh, five and four, the Minnesota Vikings are now three and five after a win over the, uh, the Lions today at home. And they really have seemed to gotten into their groove. Delvin Cook rushes for over 200 yards today, 206 yards on 22 carries. He scored two rushing touchdowns. He also added 46 yards receiving. I mean, They've got it running back like uh, an old, uh, an old school '90s Broncos uh, <laughs> team that I that was near and dear to my heart, Howard. I mean, this is going to be uh, this Monday night game. It's going to be, you know, it doesn't look, it doesn't set up well right now for the Bears after what we've seen the last couple of weeks. You know, it doesn't set up well. But listen, the reality is they did a really nice job uh, today in, in stopping the run and not allowing Derrick Henry to get going in that offensive line to really start to play downhill. But this is going to be a different challenge for him. Now you're talking about a more elusive running back that can also go out into the slot. Now you can create some matchup problems outside. 
they really have to be on top of the game plan because he, he's one of those type of players that can, can take it the distance, obviously, and so could Derrick Henry, but he's more of a downhill. If, you're, if you don't have the right run fits uh, from, for a defensive perspective, he can take it the distance. This guy is going to make some guys miss and, and then take it to the house. So it's a different style of back. It's a different style of offense and one that they're going to definitely have to be prepared for and can't afford to be missing many tackles. And uh, a team that certainly many people probably left for dead at one and five, but now uh, at three and five, potentially back in the race with the idea of a potential eight, eighth team from each conference being added to the playoffs. The Vikings may have new life. They're certainly going to be motivated next Monday night when the Bears uh, host them at Soldier Field on ESPN Monday Night Football. We're talking about uh, Minnesota. Let's head on out to Minneapolis and talk to uh, Minnesota's biggest Bears fan, Marcus. Marcus, you're on the Miller Lite postgame show. Hey, Josh. <laughs> hey, I had a question. So I'm not going to talk about, like, the weaknesses, what's wrong with the offense, because I think it's just a lot of them. I don't think it's one thing. It's so many problems. Um, I think trading Trubisky for Foles is just trading one weakness for another. But, however, I wanted to ask you this. As an offensive player, when you were in the NFL, how do you guys practice certain plays? Because the Bears are like the worst ever screen running team I've ever seen. I don't understand <laughs> how you go into a game. Like in practice, if you see how they run screens in games, if you see that in practice, the coach has to say, no, 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 we're going to run this play 100 times until you guys execute this play the right way. How do you go into games running terrible screen plays like a high school offense? How does, can you give me an insight on how that go, how that goes in practice? Absolutely, Marcus. Thanks for the call. Because, um, you know, one of the things you also have to understand in practice, but particularly now with the COVID involved, is that when you're in offense, you're practicing against a scout team. So the scout team during the season isn't trying to stop your offense. So they look at a card, the defensive coaches will show or, or the defensive coaches will show a card of the coverage in the defensive front and where they want the, the defensive linemen and the linebackers to go. Well, guess what? The offense knows that, too. So they're, they're in perfect position. So everything looks perfect in practice, right? So that's what happens. But one of the things that screens also reveal in, in game action is the lack of athleticism that an offensive line may have. Because now, all of a sudden, you have to make adjustments. Those, those dots that were on the cars that you did a great job of blocking, now those dots are moving. The, the dot that you're trying to, mm-hmm. to slow down makes five or six million dollars. So, you know, it's a little bit of a different situation. So, you know, that's the tough thing about being able to take what happens in practice and then take it into to game action. You have to be able to adapt on the move to be able to make those adjustments because you may not the look you may have been practicing against and what you thought you were going to get may not be the look you actually get. So now. During the play, you have to be able to make adjustments and you have to be athletic to be able to do it. No, and, you know, that what you just pointed out, Howard, made me think is, you know, is running as many. I, I don't have the exact number. I'll have to see and if I can dig it up here uh, through the through the play by play sheet here as we go along. But it makes me wonder, you know, it, is running as many play as many screen calls as they did this week, you know, another indictment of the coaching when like you know that you're going, you're hindered on the offensive line, a group of guys that 
Um, I think most people, if you've watched football for any period of time, you understand that, you know, it, it operates as a unit. You're only, only, only as strong as your weakest link on the offensive line. And so the lack of cohesiveness that this unit had coming into the game was probably going to put them in some, you know, precarious positions to begin with. And when you're asking them to do something that maybe is, you know, maybe not the easiest thing to execute, you, you, you as a coach maybe should uh, say to yourself, yeah. is this really the best way to attack a team when, you know, sometimes you just need to recognize what can we do competently right now and try and just, just hammer away with it. I think that's, you know, throughout Matt Nagy's entire regime, part of the problem is he, he's unwilling to stick with things that work. He's got a bevy of plays he wants to get to without any real rhyme or reason time after time. So, Jeff, let's, let's, let's dig a little deeper on, on mm-hmm. the question you just asked, right? So the reason screens are, are able to work in the first place is yeah. because you have a very active offensive line that's really rushing hard up the field. Right. So now you want to take advantage of them. I would surmise in this situation with the Bears, because of just how poor their offensive line is, they Mm -hmm. already know they're going to be able to get up the field. So now they're just that's just how they're trying to counter uh, what the defense is trying to do. And sometimes it works. Most times it doesn't. But the reality is, if you don't have an athletic offensive line, it's not going to work because you have to be able to make adjustments. You're asking a 295-pound guard in a lot of cases to try to block a 205-pound or 195-pound corner or safety who's very athletic and cat quick. So you have to be agile yourself. You can't be a waist bender. you got to be a knee bender so you can get down and be able to make contact and be able to at least be able to make contact to push them off even if you're not able to, you know, get a pancake, as you many times would expect when you're going against a guy that's much smaller than you are. That is the voice of Illini legend and two-time Super Bowl champ Howard Griffith. I am Jeff Miller here on Miller Lite Postgame Show on ESPN 1000, here with you for two hours after every Bears game, letting you sound off on what you saw. We're trying to find, yeah, we're letting you offer up any bright spots because I don't have any for today. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's a whole lot of bad stuff that we're talking about today. If you'd like to participate, 312-332-3776. Get in early because we will have the uh, Matt Nagy game coming up here shortly as he's meeting the media right now once it wraps up on Zoom. Also, uh, I'll let you hear from Nick Foles and Jeff Dickerson will weigh in as well. More to come here on ESPN 1000. The ESPN 1000 postgame show returns after these. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. A two-time Super Bowl champion. A two-time winner of the ESPN 1000 Fantasy Football League. And never mind. Howard Griffith and Jeff Mallard. The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite Postgame Show is back on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. was out of bounds, bringing up fourth down and one, and the Bears going for the 34-yard line of the Titans. Handoff to Montgomery, and Montgomery not going to make it, and the Titans hold on fourth and one in their territory, and will take over on downs. That was the very first drive 
for the Bears offense today. And it was just setting the scene for what was to come. That is your Harry's Razors close call of the game. That's brought to you by Harry's Razors. Created to be a little bit different, honestly priced, and made with integrity. Go see your see for yourself at harrys.com. The close call of the game where Allen Robinson stretches out at, on third and five. And it looks like uh, probably could have spotted the ball for a first down, but it was, you know, I, I don't know, Howard, if you agree with that assessment, he, but at the same time, you can make the argument that Allen Robinson should, Allen Robinson should be more aware that he should be getting to the marker and not leaving it to the official making a spot in that situation yeah. um, and putting them in the situation where at the Titans 34 yard line, I can understand why Matt was, you know, wanted to early in the game, you know, try and, you know, keep the offense on the field and get something going. So I, I had no problem with them going for it on fourth and one yep. at that stage. But, you know, it is disappointing to see Allen Robinson, your your big time player, come up and not able to uh, reach for the first down there. I guess he reaches, but not actually, uh, you know, come through with it in that situation. Yeah, not able to get it. But, you know, I trust Allen Robinson, what he's able to do. That's one guy you don't have to be concerned about whether or not he's given maximum effort or whether he, he, he has the field awareness that you need. Uh, when you see some of the catches that he comes up with week in and week out, he makes look re- routine. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. I will say it, I was, it was curious, too, that they – and, and I, I would imagine it probably had a lot to do with it being so early in the game. But you, you wonder if they should have challenged the spot on that situation. Um, they chose not to. We never actually saw a replay from Fox on the broadcast – because they were all of a sudden going for it on fourth and one. So it was, you actually had to, you know, rewind uh, on your DVR if you wanted to take a closer look at it. But, um, you know, I think the, the circumstances of the game, it being so early, Matt Nagy probably wanting to keep a challenge in his back pocket, especially because it was fourth and short. And he probably um, maybe, uh, maybe too confidently had some trust in his, in his offense to pick up a first down there. But uh it was a bad situation all around, let me tell you. It's been tough, right? It's been tough uh, to watch. We, we continue to see uh, mistakes made by the offense, mistakes made by the defense. And, and what's even more frustrating is that the, the leader of the franchise, your head coach, is continuing to, to make some questionable decisions each and every week. It'll be interesting to hear what he has to say. We'll uh, hear from him probably around 4 o'clock here. Let's try Stephen in Columbus, Ohio. Stephen, you're on the Miller Lite Post Game Show with Howard Griffith and Jeff Miller. What's up, Stephen? Hello, gentlemen. Um, another depressing loss. And, uh, you know, the offensive regression is just real. Every week, there's always something. And then, then the constant is offense just keeps shooting themselves in the foot. How many times have we heard Venom and Coward saying uh, committing a boneheaded penalty? I'm I'm surprised that these guys are actually on <laughs> NFL roster, much less uh, an active player. I just don't see the reason to trot these guys out every week because it's always going to be the same thing. And that these guys, along with Jimmy Grant today, committing a boneheaded penalty on the fourth down, that just cripples the momentum and the morale of this team. Listen, the penalties are all on the coaching staff. That's on Matt Nagy, period. That's a reflection of who he is as a head coach. Not as a human being, but as a head coach who is at the top of the food chain. And we are not getting anything better. And if I'm Ryan Pace, 
you know, knowing that my future and the fate is pretty much tied to that guy, I wouldn't be feel, feeling happy right now. And if I see another disaster on a Monday night game, similar to that of the Rams or even today, the offensive NFNF, I'm thinking, okay, I got six games left. I, I got to do whatever I can to save my rear end. I'm going to probably have to talk to Nagy and, and say, give up a play calling or you're fired. I'm, I'm serious. I think a lot of fans are really reaching that level right now because I have no hope in the future if either one of them or both of them ended up coming back and then we have to pick another quarterback like Zach Wilson that we all love. And then I don't feel comfortable that these guys would not even know how to you know, utilize these guys because the offensive line will probably be decimated and probably ignored next year. But that's what I have to say, guys. <laughs> well, Stephen, thanks for the call. Um, you know, I can understand. I can hear the frustration in your voice. And, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of weeks uh, about Nagy giving up the play calling. But the reality is this. It is still hard to do in the middle of a season if it's something that has not been prepared for as mm-hmm. a staff and worked through. It, it's still a very difficult thing because you can say, hey, okay, we're going to turn things over. All right. So, really, well, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean, you know, who's going to actually have the final say over play calling? Well, guess what? Nagy is never going to give up the final say. So he may hear something going in and may say, that's not what I want. Mm-hmm. That's not. So there, there's a lot of uh, things that have to, to be worked out from a coaching staff standpoint to, before you can turn over play calling. And I just don't think at this particular point in the season, he probably sees it as, the play calling is just fine. It's the lack of execution, and the lack of execution becomes comes down to the lack of talent that I have on my team. Yeah, no, it's interesting. He, you know, it's hard. You know, I know what Steven's saying, but logically, you know, it, while it, it's, you know, in Ryan Pace's interest for self-preservation to make sure he can do everything he can to ensure a winning outcome, um, you know, he can't skirt blame here either because you can, you know, it's the – you know, Howard, it's the Spider-Man memes pointing back at back at itself on, you know, that we've all seen on Twitter a thousand times where, you know, Nagy could be saying to, you know, to Ryan Pace, hey, look, the fact that my offense isn't working is because I don't have the talent to, you know, to do anything uh, that an NFL offense should be capable of doing. And then Ryan Pace is sitting there pointing back at him, you know, in his uh, Spider-Man outfit saying, yeah, but look at what you're doing. You're, you know, you're the play calls here are ridiculous. You can't continue to uh, put this, this team, we have no idea what our talent's actually capable of because time and time again, you know, you, we're putting ourselves in uh, disadvantageous positions. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think we're getting, uh, it's very difficult at this stage to really uh, know who's most at fault. But I can tell you, if it continues to go sideways like this, I don't think it'll matter. I think both guys will be out of a job. The question is, how bad does it need to get? How bad do they need to be? before the McCaskies say, okay, enough's enough. We need to start anew, you know, because they're already at five wins. So, and if, you know, they still have the Jaguars left on the schedule. They still have, even though the Texans were better today, they still have the Texans on the schedule. They've got the Vikings a couple of times. Um, They still have the Lions remaining. So there's there's some very winnable games. It would, you know, even though they're five and four and it feels, you know, apoplectic right now, the Bears Mm -hmm. certainly can get to, you know, eight wins without really having to do too much. Uh, just just 
just based on the strength of their defense. So right. would eight would eight wins be enough to salvage uh, another season for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace right now? And see, I don't know if that's a question that we can answer, right? Because mm-hmm. you can say, okay, I get, I we got eight wins. I mean, that's great, right? You may say, well, well, think about all the struggles we had, and we were able to pull out eight wins. So it really becomes down. It comes down to where they see this franchise wanting to be, and if the people that are leading it right now can actually get you there. And if you really look at it and, and, you know, people continue, our callers continue to mention offensively just how many areas uh, of areas of deficiency this team has, the deficient areas that, okay, you can't fix it in one draft. You can't fix it in one free agent period. A one player that you take in the draft can't fix it. So what do you need to do as a franchise? And unfortunately, it's easy for us to answer what we want to do because it's not our money and we're not, we're not going to be held accountable for those decisions. But at the end of the day, the McCaskies have to decide what they want this franchise to ultimately look like because it is the, the one thing about this league, it is so hard to win. It really is. And, and you mm-hmm. have to have so many people on the same page to be able to execute and win. And it's just now I'm just not talking about what's happening on the field. I'm talking about what's happening in the practice facility, what's happening uh, in the draft room. All of these things have to be in sync to be able to build the type of team that can go out and win a championship. And unfortunately for Bears fans, it's not an easy process at all. And I know they recognize how difficult it is, but it's just not as easy as, hey, turn over the play caller. Hey, fire this guy, fire that guy, because you still have to replace him. And are you sure who's going to pick the right person to come in and lead, the, and lead this team to where it needs to go? He is Howard Griffith. I am Jeff Meller. We're full of questions. Will Matt Nagy give us any answers? Find out in just two minutes. Howard Griffith and Jeff Meller. More post-game coming up. This is the ESPN 1000 post-game show on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app.